Hello, everybody, and welcome to an episode of the One Step Better podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and with me this week is a little bit of a change of pace. We have our great Greg Henderson. You got adjectives in front of your name now. Congratulations. Welcome, Greg. Thank you. <laughs> How does it feel to be great? It's, it feels great does to be great. Does it feel new? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, Maggie introduced me this, model, this morning at the huddle um, as she was putting superfluous adjectives and all that in front of people's names, and she got to me, and she went, Greg. <laughs> so it didn't quite live up to the to the hype. I was like, "There's there's gregarious." I mean, you could have gone with so many things. And yeah. She was like, ah, I "We're just gonna go, with Greg." Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Well, Greg, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with us this afternoon or this morning. I guess really depends on when you listen to the when podcast. You listen to it, sure. Um, it's afternoon for us. I'll say that it's afternoon for us. Today, we're going to talk about leadership from the perspective of the person that is coaching, developing additional or other leaders. Because I really believe that it's, it's super important, no matter where you're at in your career development, educational development, whatever it is, that you have somebody that's spurring you along, encouraging you, motivating you. And so we're going to talk about that today. But before we jump into there, we have to talk about something that is super, super important. And that is, who is your favorite sports team? So my favorite sports team, as I, it's been since gosh, as long as I can remember watching football with my dad growing up, was Alabama college football. You were born in? I was born in to an Alabama-loving family in northern Alabama, and that was, I wouldn't say required, but it was just assumed that you were going to be an Alabama man. Yeah, so no War Eagle happening in your household? No. Well, that's interesting. Is it is the rivalry between Auburn and Alabama as strong as those outside of Alabama make it or you know, have it appear to be? I hope it appears stronger to <laughs> everyone outside, right? Because I, I grew up with this mentality that you loved Alabama and anyone else who was playing Auburn at the time. That's how you grew up. Hey, I'm a fan of this, of, of Alabama, but I'm also a fan of anybody who's playing Auburn. That's mellowed over the years. Um, That's mellowed for you personally? For me personally over the years. I am become more of a, an SEC homer yeah. than I don't, you know, I like you just because you're You're, you're not playing. actively rooting for Auburn's opponent. No. But you still hate Auburn. Right. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, we're talking today about coaching and, and mentorship and, and how that's important. And there's really a handful of moments in life in which you could really point to the difference a coach um, makes in a significant way. One of those is, let's see, we're recording this uh, on October the 12th, somewhere around there. And this past weekend is, is one of those moments in which the effect and impact of a coach really, really made a difference. And that is when the Fighting Texas Aggies defeated your Alabama team handedly so in great convincing fashion uh and no one could be more prouder than that than uh than our great coach over there named jimbo fisher and so uh welcome to the podcast the first podcast that you've recorded as a losing alabama fan in uh, about two years so congratulations no comment <laughs> How difficult was it to watch that game and see your team go down in flames? <laughs> wow. Um, we don't use hyperbole here. 
No. Um, we were very badly in, I, I mean, very bad in all three phases of the game. You don't expect to win those games. And Alabama didn't deserve to win that game. And they ended up didn't. So I had a hard time watching that game because you normally could rely on something. Well, last Saturday, you couldn't hang your hat on something. There was nothing that says, oh, okay, okay I, I believe in our defense or I believe in our offense. It was tough. They got handedly beat. It was tough. Yeah. Handedly is a strong word. It's the right word, though. What was the score? Uh, they lost by three points. The score was winning team and losing team. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. All of our listeners out there are like, man, it's November. I, this, isn't, this is like not even my dis, – this is like distant memory at this point. So we'll move on. But I just want to point it out that last weekend was a good weekend. Uh, on gig the em, record. Gig em. On the record. On the record. I, I guess yep. that's what he's doing. Okay. All right. So um, in all seriousness – it was a great coaching performance by Jimbo Fisher. And, uh, and, and coaches are really important in a lot of different ways. Tell me a little bit about some of the coaches that you've had over time that's really made a difference in your life. I've had a ton. Um, gosh, when I was a brand new private at 18 years old, I had this one, I call him a coach, if you will, but he was my first line leader. He was my squad leader. His name was Sergeant Lopez. He probably taught me more about leadership than I have ever heard from anyone or ever read in a book. And it was this real life activity that was, he, you know, he's, he got down in the weeds with you. He got down in the, in the foxhole that you're digging or whatever. He was just a, a real, I don't know, impact guy that told me that, hey, it's more about them than you as a leader. And it's if you get that from the very beginning, then we can build upon that. Um, he used to, uh, he had a three-legged stool in his office. And when you got in trouble, then you would stand on this three-legged stool when he was talking to you about how berating you Berating you. Yeah, pretty much berating <laughs> you. And if you screwed up a lot, then you would hold cinder blocks while you stood on the three-legged stool. Well, this particular occasion, whoever it was, was in his office, <laughs> rucksack full of cinder blocks, you know, carrying three deep, and, he, and you're standing on this three-legged stool. And he dropped this knowledge to me about this three-legged stool that I've taken my whole life. I mean, at 18 years old, I learned this. He said, a three-legged stool is an amazing, amazing piece of equipment while you're standing on it, right? It's a picture. <laughs> talk faster, talk faster. He said, the three legs are proportionately spaced out where each leg takes a third of the weight. And so you can, you can, you can put a ton of weight on this three-legged stool because the three legs are tied in tight, and you know what they are. He said, those three legs are important to you because the three legs will keep you successful in the military, in the Army, was spiritual discipline, physical discipline, and mental discipline. He said, if you have all three of those tied in tight, then it doesn't matter what comes your way, you can withstand the force. And I thought that was awesome. And so I've always taken that mentality of you've got to be a well-rounded individual to make sure that you're successful and then you're just not breathing air, but you're actually contributing to the team. That's interesting. I, so that was when you were fresh into the military. I would assume that through the years, you've had quite a few commanders, some that were better than others, uh, some that you probably really looked up to. What are some of the characteristics that those people had that made them either really great, we'll say coaches slash mentors, people that you looked up to versus the ones that you just really didn't really care, care much for. 
it was how they treated the people that couldn't do anything for them right so in the in the army especially you have you know the command structure and once you're at a certain level well it doesn't really matter the the the, the people underneath you can't really affect your job performance that much right you you, you kind of get what i'm saying that what what i do two three levels below my commander it might influence him a little bit but what i do doesn't get him to the next rank per se right personally what i do um now collectively we can get into you know make sure the mission underneath sure. you is accomplished but but personally individualized stuff he cared about he cared about so much that he would walk around and talk to you just as you know i had my the, the commander that comes to mind is Colonel Bradley, and he was the battalion commander for the 503rd MP Battalion at, at Fort Bragg. And he had this great saying when you would salute him. So as a lower enlisted guy or even a, a lower ranking guy, when you salute an officer at Fort Bragg, you say, all the way, sir. And that's an airborne kind of mentality and motto that you say when you salute. His response, or all officers' response, will be all the way, or, or airborne, excuse me, airborne, or whatever, you know, greeting of the day, whatever. Colonel Bradley would always say, hey, when I, when I would salute him, and I would say, all the way, sir, he would say, and then some. And so that showed me, wow, okay, not only is he in it, but he wants to be more than what, than what we're doing currently um, all the time. And I really appreciated that. I appreciated him walking around talking to, to all the lower listed guys that he didn't have to. He didn't have to talk to a private or a specialist or an E1 to E4, you know, that lower listed rank. He didn't have to. But he really appreciated and wanted to know that he saw you and then what you did matter. Why do you think that's, that was important for him? I think maybe because that's how he was brought up. Um, I, I think sometimes... You know, he would tell a story about when he was a private or when he was a specialist. Um, and I think that was directly kind of contributed to the way he led was how he was, how he, you know, showed or kind of how he was taught to lead directly impacted how he led. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. So you've had leaders that you didn't necessarily look up to, but they were still leaders that, you know, that position of authority, whatever it may be. What are some of the characteristics in those people that were that kind of put them on the other side of the list? You don't have to give names. No, I I would never <laughs> give names. Um, but I still have enough doctrine in me um, that I you you don't talk bad about your commander. Right. It's just a, a tenet of being in the military. So um, again, that's why the question is: What were the characteristics? Yeah. Of that. Those um, people? Arrogance, um, um, so just the, the lack of um, compassion, uh, the lack of um, I need you. It was just this, hey, I, I don't really care what you say. I don't really care what you have to put. I'm going to do this, you know, with or without your input. Don't really matter. You want to give me your input? That's fine. I'm not going to ask you for it. Those kind of guys who ask the question, and they only ask the question to the to the questions that they know the answer to, just to put you on the spot to see if you know those questions or to see if you know those answers. Um, 
those toxic leaders, I think everyone in their history uh, of being in the workforce can relate to this toxic leadership, those guys who are uh, in it for themselves and not, and, 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 you know, just disregard the team concept completely. So I, I think that it's important to kind of maybe stage the conversation a little bit um, because I, I think we would all agree that leaders matter, mentors matter, coaches matter. But there's, it's been my experience, there's a tendency for people that are in leadership positions, whether that's senior leader, mid-level leader, low-level, you know, whatever it may be, if you have influence, that's, it's not necessarily a position, but if you have influence over others, your, the weight of your words, the weight of how you carry yourself matters greatly to the people that you have influence over. And it's, I've seen it happen more often in my experience, not here at Patrick Accounting, but in other positions where leaders don't understand, truly understand the weight of which they operate uh, with. And having that genuine care and concern about the people that you're leading goes a great deal. It, go, it goes a great way to show that, you're act, that you actually care about what you're doing. You can't manufacture that. You can't just create that and say, hey, you know what? I asked Becky about her weekend. Therefore, I clearly care, I care. about her. Sure. It's not a box to check, but it, 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 is, it is about the person that you are. Um, and it sounds like in your experience with, with you know, some of those more positive leaders, that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily a tool that they used. But it was more, it was just, it was who they natural. were. It yeah. was natural to them to, to care about the people that they were in that, you know, responsible for leading. Uh, and it's always, because I, I love the, the military mindset and, and, and reading those stories and all the different books and stuff on leadership tactics from a military pr perspective. And as a civilian, you know, to use your word, it's easy to look at those and say, hey, you know what, that person is trying to motivate a group of guys to go run into a building while they're getting shot at or bombed on or, you know, whatever it may be, the stakes are higher in those situations. And the stakes in my world aren't necessarily as high, um, but it's still just as important to have a genuine care for the people that you're, you're influencing, the people that you're trying to motivate and encourage and to get them to ultimately accomplish whatever goal it is, even though my goal may not be, hey, we're going to go take down some terrorist leader. Um, I can't remember the, the person who said the quote. Um, I think it might, I don't know. It might be Churchill, but it talks about how you have to buy into the, to the man before the plan. It's the idea that you have to be invested and understood that while the person that I am, you know, getting orders from, I respect, you know, that position and, and, and that authority. And then I can buy into the plan, but it's the person that's that's giving me the orders that I kind of need to respect. One of the things that I've heard you say in some of your HR stuff is that people will leave a job, or they they don't leave a job; they leave their leaders of their job. Um, and I don't know exactly the phrase you use, but the the point is, or the idea is, that whenever somebody quits an organization, a lot of times they're not necessarily running away from that particular job responsibilities or even maybe the overall vision of the company, but it is very possible and very likely actually that they're leaving a person that's, that's leading them and influencing them. 
And to that degree, I think it's super, super important for us and our listeners to understand the weight, and like I mentioned earlier, the weight by which they operate, especially if they're in a, a position of influence, because your people, what, however they interact with you, whenever they do interact with you, they're trying to tell you something and they're expecting something in return, a response, whatever it may be. And those interactions are all super, super critical for making sure that you're coming across in a, in a disposition of, I care, I genuinely care, I want what's best um, to build trust in order to effectively lead those people. Yeah, I think you, you hit it right on the head when you said trust. I think we ha- as leaders, we have these small, just, I don't know, opportunities throughout the employee life cycle that we can instill trust or we can take it away. And so it may not be, you know, you know, this very structured environment where, hey, we're going to build trust today. <laughs> yeah. It's the we're osmosis gonna go team of team building. Right. It's, it's yeah, team, yeah, team building um, works for a little bit. But um, it's just the, uh, I, I think it is a, as the, um, the osmosis process, right? So it's just, just does. It just adapts over time because, you know, you do little things for them. You, you say, hey, um, I see that your your anniversary is coming up. Uh, Won't you take that day off? You know, um, it's it's the idea of, hey, I I, um, I understand that um, this situation is coming up. Have you thought about this and this? How does it impact you know your clients or this way? It, it it's the idea that it's just natural progression of getting to know people. And once you get to know people, then you can really figure out what's going on from their five to nine as because you know they're nine to five. So I think their five to nine plays into a lot of this idea of, do I care of my employees? Yeah. So we talked about the idea that, you know, a, the genuine care that a leader may have is significant in, in that person's influence. But some people may push back and say, you know what, if that's just something, if somebody, if that's just who you are, maybe it's your upbringing, maybe it's skills that you've learned over time, whatever it is, that's just who that person is. And I'm not like that. Do you think that that person is, well, you know what, too late, too, you know, too bad, you're never going to have influence? Or do you think that's something that can be developed and taught over time? Yeah. So I think, um, I think training is important. I, and I think if you have the right uh, mindset of that person who is, might be an introverted leader, and so they don't go out of their way and, and, you know, and, and speak up, but can an introverted person be a leader? Well, the, I think the answer is yes, if they're taught how to manage that that little bit of um personal communication aspect right so maybe it's not hey in i I talk in front of this big group of people but maybe it's the small conversations that you still are the same conversation happens but you have that over you know a course of a time over multiple teams instead of standing up and saying hey you know to a 50 person team hey this is what my command philosophy is or this is my leadership philosophy and this i'm going to take care of you that what might intimidate an introverted person. But if you have that same type of introverted person and you break it down into a small conversation and you still give your, your same philosophy and how you're going to take care of them, maybe that's how we do it. The, so we talked about genuine care and, and empathy realistically for the people that you're, you're leading. But I also think that another area that a lot of leaders need to develop some work in, and this is probably going to sound like we're just crapping on, on leadership, but it's not really the, the point, but um, is, is, you know, you got to develop the skill of listening. Um, Without judging. Yeah. And, and just active, I'm trying to hear you. I'm trying to understand better. 
people don't look to leaders simply for advice. It's not it's not a um, a, a wisdom dispenser relationship. Right. It's right. not, hey, I don't know what to do here. Tell me what to do. That's not that's not what your followers are looking for out of you. Um, in the same way, they're not looking to be told what to do all the time and micromanaged and you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. And the only way that you can develop that skill is practice listening. Uh, it, it's being willing to sit down to somebody and say, hey, what do you think about this? This is the decision that I have on my plate. What do you think about that? And not from the perspective of, I asked for input, therefore I can check the box and say that I you know, got input. But from just the, the, the reality of hearing a different perspective. I enjoy doing this with my team from different people that aren't necessarily directly involved or even affected by a decision, but that are in different areas just because the further away you get from those front lines, the, the greater your perspective has shifted and changed. And you don't, and I, for me, I don't even realize it sometimes. I'll sit down with Casey on my team who uh, leads a lot of our customer expectation type efforts. And it's, you know, I'll have a conversation with her and she's like, well, Mike, that's not what's happening anymore. Or this is very different. Or our people aren't happy about this or they're not excited about that. Man, my perspective has really changed and shifted. And sometimes I, I lose sight of what those frontline people or, you know, first line people are actually experiencing. Yeah. yeah that's a great point. I, I don't know. I, we've been talking about this resonation you know this this phenomenon that we'll be going through and and i've tried to do that i've tried to put myself in the frontline workers shoes and say why would i not come to work and i've thought through that a little bit and why would i come to work if if i work in order to pay for working yeah there's been a shift I, and it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out long term or even goodness five years. Yeah. Um, but there appears to be, there seems to be, my hypothesis would be that there is a shift among many workers to say, I'm not going to come to work simply because I'm supposed to, or even because you expect me to, I'm going to come to work because it's something that I want to do. And that I feel, I feel fulfilled yeah. in my actual job. And in one of the, the byproducts that appears out of this whole COVID mess is that reality where people aren't just showing up to punch a time clock simply because. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how employers react to that over time. Um, you know, one of the things that we were talking earlier before we hit record and uh, we started to, to kind of flush out the idea that does it make sense for us as an employer or even the employers that we work with to at least just spend some time reconsidering that their approach to employment, employee engagement needs to or should change. And I think the, the quick answer is yes. You have to consider that it may need to change. I'm not suggesting that you do change it, but people are showing up for different reasons now. And sometimes they're not showing up for different reasons that we've ever experienced before. Yeah, I mean, I read an article saying that, uh, you know, there is a labor shortage out there. Um, and it was interesting because the people who were commenting against that article said, there's not a labor shortage. People didn't disappear. They're still here. It might be a wage shortage, or it might be a something other than that shortage. And, and he referenced a, 
and I saw it as, as well, there was a sign on the way to work on an 18-wheeler that said, um, great pay is just the beginning. Great pay gets me in the door, but does it keep me around? Yeah. I think there's something to that. I think there's, um, you know, I had a mentor that told me that the, the intersection between passion and purpose is your dream job. And I think we're seeing that a lot more. People are coming in the workplace for purpose, not just to create this widget for the company to make more money. Yeah. And, and I think that's absolutely true. You know, for the longest time, as we've been in this whole labor shortage deal, everybody pointed to extended federal unemployment benefits where, well, I can go work at McDonald's at $10 an hour, or I can sit at home and make you know, $600 a week on sure. top of my state benefits. Well, why would I come to work? And that was always, where are people? They're sitting at home getting unemployment. Well, in many states, including here in Tennessee, that's ended and it's been gone for a while, yeah. yet people still aren't coming back to work. So a valid question is, was that the reason people stopped working to begin with? Um, and if that wasn't the reason, what, it, what is it? You know, where have they gone? What are they doing? Uh, and what is it going to take to get them back in the workforce or back at, at this particular job that I need them for? And I think a, a big benefit that you're going to have in the marketplace is if you have quality leaders that are you know, functioning inside of your organization or you can develop other people into leaders. And that's, that's going to be a perk, you know, those additional responsibilities to get people back in. Because to the point that, that we talked about earlier, people aren't leaving jobs they're leaving people to some degree. Yeah. And we have to be able to address that as employers. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this, you know, spans out. I, I think that over the next three months or so, we're going to get, uh, I personally think that we'll see a bit of a shift in our workforce uh, across the uh, across the country um, as we draw closer to the end of 2021 and see how some of this new legislation may flush out that's coming through and how that's going to affect people. Because the reality is, you know, People hold the power, and uh, if they just stop showing up to work, that could be enough of a statement to drive change inside of a lot of employers. So we'll see what that looks like. Well, we're coming up on time, and so if you guys are listening, we really appreciate you taking the time. Greg, thanks for, for coming up here and, uh, and hanging out for 30, 45 minutes or so. Um, if you guys have questions or want to continue the conversation, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at onestepbetter@patrickaccounting.com. Or you could always feel free to leave us a comment uh, wherever it is that you listen to these podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple, uh, or even if you're watching us here on video on YouTube, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line. Let us know what you think. And that is it. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day.